1: I'm Lou Bank. I am Chopper And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gex bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico.
2: And today we're talking about cocktails for the undecima vez. How many times have we talked about cocktails? 110 times? Is it oh, just in a episodes? day, <laughs>
1: you and I will talk cocktails 110 times. Any no, get, given day.
2: I don't think we've done that many episodes about cocktails. But this one, I think it's actually interesting. So please, Senor Lu, go ahead and say your proposition.
1: Sure, yeah. So there's this idea circulating around uh, USA bars, at least. And I'm guessing, you know, European and stuff. But uh, this idea circulating around that you should... Only ever use Espadine mezcal if you're making a mezcal cocktail. And but, What's the rationale behind that? Well, you know, it's a great question. So the rationale that I always hear is, well, you know, everything else is so precious and special that it doesn't make sense to use it in the cocktail. That's one. So, so That's- Espadine is not
2: precious and special. So exactly. It was still made. It was still made by the same people that respect. Without end and just suddenly, just it's a different species, it's not special. Okay, got
1: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's one one idea. The other is everything else is too expensive. That if you no. use right, a, like a, I, I mean, obviously, tepestate would be like the uh, the wait, outlier. Wait, wait tepestate,
2: tepestate. Nobody says tepestate. Tepestate. Oh,
1: that's not wrong. Are we going to have a whole episode just about how to pronounce tepestate? Tepestate. Tepestate.
2: Even with X, people say tepestate.
1: You're just Anyways. wrong. You're just <laughs> wrong. I had this whole debate with our friend Rob and uh, Rob Lopata. And then we ended up down uh, down in Miuatlan talking to uh, Manuel Ramos. And there he pronounced it
2: Tepextate. Tepex, I think he was trying to be educational to you guys. But anyways, continue, no, no, continue. because anyway, otherwise, other eh, okay, be, okay, yeah. anyway. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, never
1: use one of those because it would be too expensive. It's also it's too precious, too rare and too
2: expensive. It makes for an expensive cocktail. I mean, I can get behind that, though, because, I mean, as we know, bars are, especially in the U.S. of A. and other first world countries, you guys are really struggling with some of the economics behind bars. So I, I can see that. Oh, that's really funny. You, in fact, kind of sent me in this direction with something you
1: said to me. You don't even remember. No, what? So y- you had said, "Why don't we have this whole episode about just doing the upgrading of cocktails?"
2: Oh yes, this- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well, how is that not that? Oh, I'm just saying, like the well. No, there's a few places that, and even in Mexico City, I know a few places that have made a commitment. Out of their ethos, and I know that they're hurting a little bit of their finances, but out of their ethos, even their well mezcal is something really competent. And uh, But yeah, let's let's get into the upgrade idea a little bit for uh, further ahead. But what's the other reason why people wouldn't use wild agave to do uh, cocktails? Are just those two? Well, is that the beginning and the end? Well,
1: hang on a second, because you said wild agave, and I just said agave that's not espadine.
2: Oh, that's true. Okay, so just agave that is not espadine. Is there any other reason? Mm, nope, I'm going to
3: go with that's it.
2: Well, yeah, I think you know, the first time I in my adult life that I drank a uh, what I think people will call yeah. Hang, uh, hang a,
1: on, can you give me a number there. I want to know the number. Oh what is, no, what no. Is, that,
2: that, what, so at what at what age
1: does a chava reach maturity?
2: Well, twelve. <laughs> like that—that's the uh, the commonly agreed number. That's, but, that's uh,
1: where you're ready to reproduce. Is it twelve?
2: Well, it was where I had my first my first and only age crisis. Uh, that is a true story. But uh, thirty meant nothing to me. Twelve, Jesus. (laughs) that that meant a lot but uh the first time i had a what what i think in the uh, argot it's a crafted cocktail was when i went to new york actually with you uh to roberta's to probably record what will become this podcast uh and then i went to existing conditions a friend of mine took me to this uh cocktail bar called existing conditions And uh, it's really funny because we walked in there and this friend of ours had been there. uh, I think he knew somebody there or something. And he had this reputation of being someone that knew a lot about agave. So they were like, hey, guys, uh, we are trying to make a uh, cocktail with a karwinski. And we feel very nervous if we are honoring completely this agave. So we would like to serve it to you and tell us if it's a waste of this mezcal or if it's actually fortunate, so we drank it, and I, I, I'm happy to say it was an extremely pretty uh, cocktail. Mm-hmm. I think it's been something, some of the best things that I've ever tried uh, in terms of cocktails. Only detail being, if I don't misremember, it was forty five dollars. Okay. Cool. So, but, but, you know, I'm,
1: I'm wondering, Chava, the, the words that you're using, you have a very specific way of phrasing things. It's really beautiful. It's poetry. But I'm wondering, did they literally use
2: that word? They wanted to make sure they were honoring. Yeah. 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 I remember that clearly. I remember that, that with extreme precision. Yes. So, so,
1: okay. So here's a thought about that. And this is one of the reasons this is banging around in my head, right? Is, I think a way, not the way, but a way to honor an agave is make sure you use the hell out of it so that agave farmers are encouraged to to grow more of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, uh, I think it it has to do almost with uh, a bizarre morality that I see uh, within U.S. people that are really into mezcal. You know, like I, as I like to say, uh, mezcal is not wine. It was not made to crown kings. You know, like it's not what the Pope drinks before giving Mass, right? It's not a, uh, it's not a sacrament. It is a drink that it's an everyday drink. It's a day, it's a drink for festivities. It's, it's, it's holy, but it's also a mess. It's a holy mess, to put it <laughs> in one word. And, <laughs> but for some reason, I, it, it, it's almost like, people uh, from other places and I get it and, and I do almost the same sometimes because you I, I was just in a trip in Michoacán and you get so touched about the the capacity and the beauty of this nature and everything that is attached to this drink that suddenly for you outsider it really becomes holy and then you go back to where you're from and you try to tell people it's because you don't understand what I've seen. You understand what these people mean, what this nature means, and it's sort of you try to make it, uh, you try to create respect for it, uh, but I think it backfires in many ways because. Well, well, but I also think there's different ways to show respect. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, well, what I, I I guess the the end of my argument will be if uh you find ways for people to enjoy this drink. Mm -hmm. In a very relaxed, very fun, very amazing way, regardless of what modifiers you need or you decide to add to the spirit, I think that is the best way of, of sharing a piece of the experience that you had in Mexico that made you feel so strongly about the spirit. Yeah, I like that, for sure, for
1: sure. And, you know, and I think, you know, to get back to the concept of how do you, how do you honor the agave? Like if we don't diversify the agaves that we're consuming, right, if, if brands won't diversify the agaves that they are cultivating and bringing to market, it's going to lead to the extinction of more agaves. It's not like you save a Karwinski by never drinking a Karwinski. You save a Karwinski by showing the, the brands that are actually bringing to market mezcal that you want more Karwinski, and and if you and if you think about, it, is it accurate to say that uh, the that the most the biggest market for Mescal is the USA? Uh, in terms of
2: liters, yeah, I'm actually not sure. I think that's what it said in that latest Well maybe, CRM maybe report. Maybe do- maybe documented. But as yeah, fair, uh, fair. You know, like maybe may, yeah, maybe maybe the the mezcal that get, the, the gets into the books, yeah, maybe You're right. And so if you think about
1: that, and you think about how gringos tend to consume mezcal, how Yankees tend to consume uh, spirits, period, it's cocktails. So if we don't see more of these cocktails, I don't think we're going to ever get past the by
2: bi- the the monocultures of blue Weber and Espadine. And I think that this also—I mean—and and it's fascinating how the consumption patterns obviously impact the environments and ecosystems where these things are being grown, right? And I yeah. think there's also something bizarre, and I'm just gonna throw this at you. I don't know if I, if I if I am misreading this. Uh, you're the American; you might give me more insight into this. But uh, I think that sometimes they only using in cocktails. It's in my understanding; it's almost underestimating the palate of the beginner. They sort. Eh? Uh, I think eh? that it, they sort of say like, you know, Espadin tends to be more simple, completely untrue in my experience. Uh, it tends to have more of the smoke thing that people are looking for because that is what the mescal that many brands have uh, articulated for the export market is. And uh, in a way it's like, because these people don't know Let's just give them Espadín. That is not gonna give them a, a very strong experience. And I will say that's the stupidest freaking thing ever. If you have somebody that is gonna drink their first cocktail of mezcal, give them the best experience of their lives. Give them something that they will remember forever and make them junkies of mezcal.
3: Yeah, I right? like
2: that. I like that.
1: You know, I I, well, I think I, I I think you're right that it's, okay, Smoky is what most. Uh, Yankees think of when they think of mezcal. And I think that, you know, look, you can make any agave smoky, right?
2: And they're even going to say smoky when it's not smoky. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the word mezcal is there, I have served stuff that had no traces of smoke. Uh, they will still say smoky. So whatever's Like, honestly, it doesn't matter if it has the smoke or not.
1: Well, hang on. When you say it had no traces of smoke, are you talking about agaves that were steam-cooked, or you didn't actually recognize oh no
2: no no like that they were they were cooked with wood but the 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 smoke the the smokiness of it was so buried behind so much stuff
1: i you know i i think that's maybe something you and i can do and and of course probably everybody who listens to this podcast because we drink so much of this that the smoke becomes a thing like in the back to us but so frequently, I'll be drinking with uh, with newbies who are like, "Oh, this is so smoky," and I'm like, "Really? Like I well, I don't get it." Well, but I then think- it
2: doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter. Double double my argument. It doesn't matter if it's espadin or if it's. Uh, I mean, yeah. So th- the smoke is gonna be there regardless for the beginner. Well, but but I'm thinking now about
1: our our friends in Guanajuato at Villa Suso, right, and Lucy Pistolas who have that. Uh, that, that beautiful salmiana that's uh, steam-cooked. And so, you know, are, I guess to your point, will somebody taste that and taste the caramelization of the agave? And, and will that hit their palate as smoky, even though there's
2: no smoke? I mean, yes, maybe. And, you know, like I think my best example of a bar that has already engaged into this... uh into this behavior that we're trying to promote is La Farmacia Rita Perez in Guadalajara. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was fortunate enough to get there, like, right when they were opening, like, at 1 p.m. on a Thursday or something like that. I spent there literally, like, four or five hours, and I it got to the point where I was like, I cannot finish everything that I want to try, so don't take this as disrespect, but I want to try as much as I can. And they had all these amazing cocktails using Sotoles, using Mesonte, the Mesonte line, using all kinds of super precious, beautiful agave spirits. And I think that, I mean, that was, that has to be so much fun for the bartender, for the beverage director, for the people drinking. That's just so much fun for everybody involved. And let's say maybe they have a really good price because they're in Guadalajara. But if that's not the case, maybe going back to this idea of upgrading your cocktail, maybe you have your normal cocktail made with, Mm -hmm. you know, your well, super cheap, whatever, sespadin. And then if someone is more interested or wants to have a, yeah, like a different experience, they can pay five bucks for a box and get a significantly better agave spirit in their margarita or in whatever joint they're preparing for them. Well, or an
1: additional 40 bucks. You know, the, the, the thing that we see through these discus reports, and again, you know, that's just reporting on uh, sales in the United States of America of spirits and wine and beer. But, you know, what we, we see in in, um, in that report is that the stuff that's selling is the stuff that's most highly priced. It's not the cheap stuff. And that suggests to me that maybe there's a bigger market for more expensive cocktails than we
2: recognize. And honestly, I think that the market for mezcal on premise is usually older people. I don't see a bunch of thirty-year-old kids uh, being the most excited about this. I think, I mean, I I can I see this from other projects that I'm part of. A significant chunk of uh, of the market of the most specialized agave spirits are forty-five and plus.
1: Well, but I think you're also looking at the market like I'm guessing you're talking about my game a latte, right?
2: Well, another stuff that, that I've uh, like, honestly, everything that I've done in my life, uh, be it craft, expensive alcohol, just everything that I've worked in. My best, best market is 60 and plus. It starts getting good at 45.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, you know, but I think if you uh, if you join me one night at Cindy's rooftop in Chicago, uh, you'd see an awful lot of 20 somethings drinking mezcal cocktails.
2: Yeah. I don't know if they are the more sensitive target towards uh, this kind of uh, arguments. Oh, It'll be amazing I... if we can convert them. It'll be amazing, and and Rita Perez and th- this bar I was I was talking about. They're definitely thirty year olds, yeah. and they, it. But it's just normal for them because you know, like they they sort of uh, they have that at their uh, at, at their fingertips. And to be honest, against a lot, in, I will claim, and I might get lynched for this, but in in Guadalajara, it's rare that people drink good tequila or that they have a good background of, of of an agave spirits. And Rita Perez is there to prove wrong that you cannot get a market that is usually more connected to Bacardi and to beers and convert them into super complex uh, cocktails. So, yeah, maybe there's a hope. Maybe there is a hope. <laughs> there's a hope. That's all I was, there's a chance. That's all I'm looking for, Java. Okay. Right, right. So I'll give you that. I'll give you hope. Do you have any conclusion else that you want to say?
1: I th- my conclusion is just that we should never use Espadine Mezcal to make cocktails. Or that it can also be used. Uh, hey, as an also, it can be used, sure, Grand. but okay, but I really okay. do think if like if we if what we want to do is preserve the biodiversity of agave and 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 by extension the biodiversity of Mexico, we got to start using a lot more agaves to make our cocktails than just Espadina and Blue Weber,
2: and keep on having fun because if it becomes in, in ten years. We all only have espadín in the mark in the markets because that's what ate everything. I don't want to be part of the mezcal industry anymore. Like, like that, like that'll be boring as hell. And they will talk about destroying a bunch of traditions, expertise, uh, ecosystems. So, if in ten years the only thing we can find on the shelves everywhere is espadín. Like, I'm good. I, I can do other stuff. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a different road trip? Yeah, we'll, we'll find something else to do.
1: <laughs> okay, sounds good, Chava. I'll catch you next episode. Yeah,
2: okay, bye. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Same song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc.
1: Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank
3: you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork.